You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans. Welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your ear holes. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews. I'm still here. I'm back for another day of talk and... We we do have some stuff to talk about from last night. Some of it good. Some of it good. Not a lot of it, but some of it. And we will talk about that and maybe maybe some other things pertaining to Blue Jays in the upcoming month. But for the second straight day, I have help in doing so. And joining me on the program today to put his newfound friend of the show status to the test... Which, we, we'll see. We'll see if he keeps it. He was here in tweet form on Monday. He's here in person today. Downtown Stephen Brown joins the program. Stephen. Thank you for having me back on the show, Ron. You know, I was going to address that friend of the show comment when you were introing the show, but you went and brought it up yourself. Um, so, I, I, I'm just going to go ahead and ask the pressing question that everyone wants to know about. Never mind Ryan Borucki and the Toronto Blue Jays. Are you and I friends? Uh, are we friends? Let's see. Normally I check Facebook for these things, but I haven't checked Facebook in like two years. So Facebook's I, basically MySpace at this point. I know, right? I, I, just, <laughs> I just use it for Messenger. Uh, are we friends? I don't even have the magic eight ball around to ask. It's sad. I I suppose for now we are friends. We we've upgraded from acquaintances, so I I will give it a tentative yes. Well, well, first I started as the rook, and then I moved up to mortal enemy after I beat you in that trivia episode way back when, and then. And then I moved up from the Rook to Arch Nemesis, and then Acquaintance, and then now I'm teetering on the point of friendship. So we've come a long way, Ryan Andrews. We have. Let's see if you can continue that forward progress, Stephen. It, it, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Getting that tweet on Monday's show was a good start, and we'll talk about that a little later on in the podcast. But as you mentioned... We should start with the events of last night's contest in Houston. And the big news for the Blue Jays coming out of that one was Ryan Barucki, continuing the proud tradition of Ryans in the major leagues, following Dempster and Goins. And that may be it off the top of my head. So, yeah, we're, we're still working on it. Ryan Barucki went into last night's game and, you know, it, it he he could have easily wilted under the, under the spotlights. No one would have faulted him going against the world champions, going against Charlie Morton, who's looked like a cyborg on the mound this year. He would have been forgiven for, for a rough start, but Barucki went out there and... He essentially pitched a Marcus Stroman game in where he was allowing base runners to get on board, but 
they weren't able to really do anything against him to cash them in. Like he was, he was able to get the outs he needed when he needed them. Uh, the two RBI uh, single by Evan Gaddis kind kind of wrecked that in the fifth. But up until that point, Barucki had had been dancing around doubles all night long. Alex Bregman, it seemed like you blinked and he would be on second base. But I wanted to get your thoughts, Stephen, on what you thought of Barucki's performance. Because I thought that was actually very good for a MLB debut. You know, I thought I thought he pitched extremely well, especially like you mentioned against the Houston Astros. And the main thing I thought, he just looked calm. Like he was he was in the moment. But he looked calm, and like you said, like with Bregman, you blinked, and he was on second base, and he was dancing around base runners and walks and hits all night long. But he didn't look um, like he was rattled or, or anything like that by the moment. I mean, his father in the stands was definitely emotional; couldn't watch after like the second or third pitch. But Ryan just kind of tr- just kind of trugged along, and he got through it, and he got some help from the defense, obviously in this one with a couple of very nice plays, but I thought this was the first Blue Jays game for me that I was excited to watch in a while. I mean, and Barucki definitely delivered the goods. Mm, definitely a, a hard luck loser in that one. And you you look at what he was able to generate. Like, like we said, a lot of Houston Astros were getting contact off of him, but they weren't hitting very very much off of the 23 balls put in play off of ryan brookie he had um only three of them were really hard hit line drives which is nice so so you avoided most of the hard contact like a lot of those hits that he gave up were like those those kind of fenway doubles that minute Maid park is prone to giving up now, he walked four batters, which you can attribute that to nerves or you can attribute that to the Astros. I don't expect to see that many walks out of Barucki. But as you said, he was able to fight through all of it. He's a guy who's overcome so much in his career anyway just to get to this point. And I've, I'm happy he's shown he deserves at least another start in this rotation. He's going to make it very difficult for the Blue Jays to send him back down when you know, Jaime Garcia somehow works his way off the DL. If I'm the Blue Jays, I'm I'm just saying, no, your shoulder's still pretty bad. Maybe you should go on the 60-day DL. Man, just 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 go go over there, Jaime. Go go away. So, you know, like a, a lot of the fans and a lot of people on Twitter have been saying, like it's okay if the Blue Jays suck, but I don't want to see them run guys like Jaime Garcia out there and suck. If they suck, we want to see guys like Ryan Barucki come up here and and show what they got so that there's a little bit of excitement and a little bit of, you know, it's just some kind of outlook towards the future, at least. The only, the only thing I would say about that is you don't want to suck too much. No, no, obviously once, not. Once you start getting, getting these guys up here and... And just throwing them out there just for the sake of throwing them out there. Like, I don't know how far back you go, Steven, but I remember when I was young and watching 2003 
when the Detroit Tigers were incredibly bad and they were throwing all their young pitchers out there and they had a tw- they had a guy named Mike Maroth who at 25 led the major leagues in losses with 21. He gave up the most earned runs in the league and the most home runs in the league and just kind of wrecked him because he I he never had an ERA below 4.30 for the rest of his career and he was a promising lefty when when they did that. So that that's the thing I worry about all the time when seeing these guys like like I yeah you want to get them the experience at the major league level but you don't want to get them the bad experience you don't want to make them like think they have zero confidence in anything they do no no, no of course and I'm not suggesting that they run Baraki or the other young guys out there like they like 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 they're doing Gilmet but you oh, know God. just 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 some just, just something in between, you know. We we can find a happy medium here. Uh, can we can we talk about Preston Gilmet for a second? Why is he still on this team? I don't know. In, in my mind, he's Mister Irrelevant. I don't. I I mean, going on before the show, we were talking about him. I called him Preston Gilmeat. I didn't even know how to pronounce his name, and I I really didn't care to know. Yeah, that's essentially what he is. He is the meat shield for this Blue Jays bullpen. Just just sent out there to soak up. Uh, at bats and and take the hits like that and he was doing good he had pitched a scoreless inning and i was proud of him because he finally got his era down below nine and then he gives up a three-run home run to jake bloody marisnik i can't even apparently he's hitting that's a, that was a six home run last night but still jake marisnik taking you deep is a sign that you should not be in the major leagues anymore yeah, it's almost like Ryan Goins going deep, or <laughs> yeah, I was I was I was gonna say Juan Pierre, but Juan, like Marisnik apparently has more power than Juan Pierre. So Peter Peter Borges, that's who I want. Peter Borges. Peter, yep, Peter yeah. Borges. Yeah. So yeah, Guillemet came out there, gave up a three-run shot. Tim Meza came out there, gave up a two-run shot, and what could have been a I mean, it it likely wouldn't have happened given Chris Devensky and Hector Rondon were the Houston choices out of the bullpen. But it, it turned it basically turned a lot of TVs off is what that eighth inning did, watching those two pitchers go out there and serve balls. And You know what? As as we move closer and closer to July thirty first, I I might find that we might be turning our TVs off after the sixth or seventh inning more and more often just because, like, running guys like Preston Gilmet and Tim Meza out there might be more of a common theme than most fans would be comfortable with as the Blue Jays might trade away most of their effective bullpen pitchers that they have at the moment. Mm. Yeah, and and it makes sense, it's, especially if you can do, like, last year and get, like, that Joe Smith package that that netted a couple good prospects out of Cleveland. Cleveland might actually be in on some of the bullpen pieces, given how absolutely terrible their bullpen is. They they could use a guy like Tyler Clippard back there. So, And you know what? Just good on the front office for getting these guys um, in on one-year contracts or just really cheap deals and then getting them in there and letting them have success and then flipping them. It's just it's it's found money. And especially if those prospects, I mean, we they're obviously not going to be, you know, the best prospects. 
but if they turn into anything at all, it's it's just found money. No, exactly. So going going into tonight's game, the Blue Jays have a chance to win the series, which I don't think any of us gave them a chance to win the series, but whatever, we'll take it. Uh, Marco Estrada is on the mound against Dallas Keuchel, who has not been Dallas Keuchel this year. He's been fairly bad. So, Stephen, what are the chances of the Blue Jays actually pulling this off and taking a road series away from the World Series champions? Well, Marco Estrada has pitched very well in the month of June, and he's looking to finish up the month. In his last 25 and two-third innings pitched, he has an ERA of 175, and he's 2-1. and one. So Marco's looking to dazzle a little bit of magic. The game actually gets underway just after 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's a rare 2 p.m. game. I'm not sure if it's a Facebook game or not. I don't think the better not MLB be. would... I don't, I, don't, I don't think the MLB would put the reigning world champions on Facebook, but you never know. So I, I, I think that Marco has a chance to go out there and continue some of his success, and maybe we can take advantage of Dallas Keuchel, and the Blue Jays can sneak out of Houston with two wins, which is two more wins than I think anyone expected them to have. No, exactly. It'll be tough against Keuchel. Keuchel's a career 3-0 and against the, the Blue Jays. Yeah, he hasn't pitched well against them. But he he's still he's still a former Cy Young winner who's having a, a bit of a rough year. It's the way it seems to go with Keiko. He dips and he alternates good and bad years. He's like the personification of the San Francisco Giants. But he's come off two straight starts where he hasn't given up an earned run, so maybe he's turning the corner and the Blue Jays might have to be on their toes again to try and get Marco that fifth win on the season. So now that now we've talked about them, let's talk about the a bit more into the future right after this message. Okay, so Steven, when you made a cameo appearance on the show earlier this week, it was for a tweet that you sent out in regards to trading J-Hap to the Yankees and then turning around and trading Steve Pierce, who has had success against J-Hap, to the Red Sox. And I, I know you've expanded on this piece a little more on jaysfromthecouch.com, but I want to give you a, a chance to articulate it a little more because we were, we were talking about this uh, ahead of the podcast. And one of the things came that came up was the fact that if the Blue Jays did this, which would be very smart, it would also be very shady and may lose them the trust of dealing with the Yankees and the Red Sox, and I can't finish that without laughing. Well, you know what? Um, I was just thinking about it and spitballing it, but then as I started combing through Steve, Steve Pierce's stats, I noticed that Steve Pierce also hits Mashikiro Tanaka very well and CC Sabathia very well in, in an extended number of at-bats. And he's also had success against David Robertson and Adam Warren. So right then in there, that's four guys that the Yankees have in their uh, pitching ensemble that Steve Pierce has a lot of success against. And if the Yankees were to then turn around and add Jay Happ, 
then that would kind of swing the doors wide open and Steve Pierce would be a very valuable asset to anyone that wants to get by the New York Yankees as he can cover three of their starting pitchers and very, very well. Um, he's a career... 357 hitter against J.A. Happ in 28 at-bats with five home runs against them. So, I mean, the Blue Jays have a have a very unique position here to where they can really screw a team over that acquires J.A. Happ. And if we're going to screw over anyone, I'd really want it to be the New York Yankees. And if that severs the relationship, I mean, I'm perfectly okay with that because beyond the Toronto Blue Jays rebuilding, I don't think that we'd ever need to pick up a phone and talk to them or the Boston Red Sox. And some people may be asking, well, is there even a fit for Steve Pierce in, in Boston? You mentioned the other day when you brought up my tweet that the Red Sox did DFA Hanley Ramirez, and Ramirez played mostly DH in first base um, for the Boston Red Sox. And that's something that Steve Pierce can definitely do. And the Red Sox are also 25th in the league against left-handed pitching in terms of WRC+, with a team rating of 86. And Steve Pierce, over the last four years since 2014, has the 27th best WRC+, plus against left-handed pitching, with 135. And that's tied with Mookie Betts. So, I mean, there definitely is a fit in Boston, and there's a very unique situation that the Blue Jays should definitely take advantage of here. Yeah, and and the other the other thing with Boston, when they released Hanley Ramirez, they said that he was hitting all right, but they didn't know how well he'd do in a bench role for them. That was a big reason why they, they cleared up the space and just handed the keys to Mitch Moreland at first. Steve Pierce has no problem coming off the bench. He's... He did it against the Angels in the last series. Came off the bench, hit a three-run home run. So he's definitely more suited to that mentality. And if the Red Sox do need that bat to come out and face David Robinson or Adam Warren, Pierce is is totally in the mindset to do that. So I, I think you're right, and that Steve Pierce would be a perfect fit for that Boston bench going forward because the bench isn't isn't that great in Boston, but he would, he would definitely help even if they do make the trade with the Yankees for half. Well, well, you know, and also, also the unique, the, the unique thing with the Yankees is that Clint Frazier is a hot commodity these days. And I know Ryan Cashman has said he does not want to trade him. He's a huge Clint Frazier fan. Well, they're not playing him, so I don't know how much of a fan they really are of him. And he's stuck behind the, an outfield in New York that, um, that already has Giancarlo Stan, Aaron Judge, Brent Gardner, Aaron Hicks, and Jacoby Ellsbury. And in the piece, I mentioned that the Yankees did try to trade uh, Brett Gardner and Jacoby Ellsbury, but that they didn't find a suitor. And I don't think they, they found anyone dumb enough to help them get under the luxury tax any more than um, the um, Starling Castro and Chase Headley dumps already did um, back earlier in the offseason. But I think, you know, if, if the Blue Jays can strong-arm the Yankees into giving them Clint Frazier, then I think they, they, sh- they, sh- they should definitely take a run at that. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I don't know what they're doing with Clint Frazier. And I know Clint Frazier is upset because he thinks he's an MLB player. Most people think he's an MLB player. But Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton... And Brett Gardner don't think he's an MLB player, and that's why he does not play, and that's why he's trying to get out of New York, a la Kurt Russell. So the question then is, like, 
if he comes to Toronto in in the half deal and like I've seen things online where uh, Chance Adams is is a big name mentioned, although they they don't really know if they want to give up Adams. Uh, Joel Sherman of the New York Post had had a write up about how the Yankees are facing a starting pitching crunch and they they're going to have to trade some of their arms or risk losing them. And I've seen guys like Domingo Herman mentioned. So there, there are a number of different ways the Blue Jays can go with the Hap deal. And I think it's, I think it's possible that they can extract Adams and Frazier at the same time or, or someone similar of that quality. I'd love to see Justice Sheffield with the Blue Jays, but I know that's less probable. But if you can get a package of Frazier and Adams, you can then put Adams into your rotation immediately to replace Hap and start developing him. And then you could potentially have an outfield of Teoscar Hernandez, Randall Gritchuk, and Clint Frazier. And there's a name missing there that I think a lot of Blue Jays fans are going to pick up on. And I think that's one we should close the episode talking about with. Is there a chance that Kevin Pillar is not on this Blue Jays team come September 1st? You know what? I, I keep saying it, and I'll say it again right now. I would be very disappointed if Kevin Pillar is the starting center fielder for the Blue Jays next season. Um, maybe he might finish this season here in Toronto, and I think I'd I'd be okay with that. Because, I mean, um, just whatever. I mean, at this point, I mean, it doesn't really matter if they, they, if they win or lose. He's a body that they can throw out there. But... Ever since about the middle of May, it's just been miserable. Kevin Pillar is not who he is in April. He very distinctly flips a switch and just, just, it's just awful after it's miserable to watch at the plate. In his last 128 at bats, he's got a WRC plus of 16. That's it. 16. It's miserable. He's got 20 hits in his last 35 games. And it's and he's not even playing good defense in center field anymore. Like it's just it's very average. It's nothing special. Diving for balls, he doesn't need to. Swinging at pitches, he doesn't need to. It's it's the same old song. You know that that was all fun and fine and dandy when he was also making um extremely hard catches to make, and he was throwing out base runners, and he had that that really good play to the plate against the Angels the other day. But that's probably it. I can't recall another Kevin Pillar catch or play that really stood out to me. At least this season. Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, there were plenty in other seasons. This season, but Mm. we're talking about a guy that that you could have easily made a case to win a gold glove in center field um, on, uh, you know, in back-to-back years if it weren't for Kevin Kiermaier. And he's just he's just fallen off fallen off a cliff. Well, I think you look at last night's game too, and you see how easily Randall Grichuk slotted into center field. That's why I mentioned him in center. In in my little little spiel, the fact that they have a like Kevin Pillar was basically meant to be there until like Anthony Alford was ready, or or before him Dalton Pompey was ready, and because Pompey has been so sidetracked. He, he lost his shot, and now Alfred's kind of stalling at AAA as well. So we don't really know how either of those guys are going to project to the major leagues anymore. But in Randall Gritchuk, they know what they have in him, and they know he, he can be a very good bat in center field, and they know he has the defense, which 
By the way, I learned the other day, Randall Gritchuk is a converted first baseman playing the outfield, which is pretty amazing considering how unathletic most people consider first baseman. See Gritchuk going out there and, and skying for grabs and, and all that. Give, he gives hope to the former first baseman of the world. which i am one but seeing gritchick out there playing capable center field and like delivering with a bat as well it's the first time i've really felt kevin pilar is expendable like like the blue jays don't need him around to be a successful team and it sucks to say that about kevin pilar I know we've had our issues with Kevin Pillar, um, you know, using slurs and, and such. But for the most part, he has been a positive contributor to the Blue Jays and what they've done over the past few years. So for him to, to kind of go out with a whimper like this on this miserable run of baseball, I, I may not do much math, Stephen, but I know 16 is a far cry from 135. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it it kind of sucks if he if he does go out like this without that final taste of glory. But honestly, at this point, I'm all right with it, and I think I'd rather see him have success elsewhere. You know, and I don't even think that my opinion changes if he finishes the rest of the season. If starting today he hits for the rest of the season, I don't care. I don't care. That's that, that is a phony number and nobody should even buy into that. If if that were to happen and I highly doubt that that would. Yeah. No, I I don't see him hitting a number <laughs> anywhere close to what he did in April either. So I and, you know a, a, one guy that doesn't get a lot of love is Dwight Smith Jr. Like we didn't even mention him. <laughs> in that conversation with Pompey and Alford. And I mean, really all that guy has done since he came up to the big leagues in 27 games over the course of two seasons is hit. I mean, he's, I know, but you're not playing Dwight Smith jr. In center field. No, 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 obviously not. You can shift Gritchick over there and put Smith jr. In one of the corners. Also, if, if the blue Jays don't get Clint Frazier, then yeah, that's who I'd like to see up is Dwight Smith jr. Cause he's shown he can handle a bat at the major league level. Exactly. Like you said, so, I I think that will bring a close to this episode of Locked On Blue Jays. Steven, you have not done enough to shirk your newfound friend status so you can continue to wear that badge with pride. Tell the people where they can find you online so they can congratulate you for your success in that regard. <laughs> well, you can find me on Twitter at DTSB underscore 98 where ryan found that gemful tweet that he brought up on monday's show you know most most of it's just nonsense but every once in a while you know just kind of get something smart out there you can also find me on jaysfromthecouch.com um you can find the steve pierce and jay hap piece on there and look for something about kevin pilar coming soon as well sounds like fun you can find me on Twitter at NeoAC18. That's NeoAC18. You can find the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnJays. Follow it and make sure you don't miss an episode. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. That's also a good way to not miss an episode because they come daily during the week. And we have fine people on the program 
like Stephen Brown. Stephen, thank you for joining me this early and filling my head with math because it makes me feel like I'm back in high school. Always a pleasure, Ryan. Thank you. So for Stephen Brown, I'm Ryan Andrews. Thank you so much for listening to Lockdown Blue Jays. And y'all take care.